Glad everybody's back with us this evening. Hopefully I'll have something to say that you'll be able to use as you go along. And I know it's 1.30 and we've just had a good lunch. And I do realize that brevity is the key to this whole thing today. So I want you to pay attention a little bit. I, like an old preacher told me one time, he said, I don't mind people sleeping. If you put up a little bit of a fight first, it'd make me feel better. So uh, we'll do that if we can. In the book of First Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. I cannot imagine, and I've never thought about it, but Paul is writing in the first century that bodily exercise profiteth little. They had people exercising, evidently. I mean, you, I don't think of these first century folks as pumping iron. Or anything like that, or going to the going to the gym, and then I got to thinking, well, gymnasium, I think, is kind of a Greek or Latin term, you know, maybe that. And so they obviously had people that were concerned about working out, exercising, and then I got to thinking, of course, the, they did, would do that in Greek. They were on the Mediterranean diet. I mean, obviously, think about that one. You'll be going down the road, go. That was funny. That was a good one. You will. But, uh, they, I mean, you know, but there was evidently, this has been something evidently that's been going on. It's not new to our generation or to the, the, what we call these latter times. They've been doing this for centuries and evidently there were people that were very concerned about their bodily, their body, the outward man, and they were gonna exercise or, or whatever it is. I don't know. I, and, uh, you gotta stay with me on this and I think maybe they've got a gladiator somewhere selling health powder. You know, something like that. I mean, was there an industry going on there? I, I don't know what they were doing, but I know this. He said bodily exercise profit a little. So evidently somebody was exercising. And maybe this was a, you know, maybe a rich person's kind of a thing or something like that. But he said the spirit is what's important. There was a guy that was a, uh, he was a makeup artist to the stars named Max Factor. And he created a whole new industry for women, called it makeup. And so the average person had access then to what the stars had and could do makeup and stuff like that. And we spent a lot of time worrying about the outward body and how and how it's going to work. Now, I, I did know a fellow one time, and his doctor asked me if he exercised, and he said, well, I don't go to the gym or nothing. He goes, well, what do you do to get exercise? He said, I'm Paul Bear at the funeral. My friend's at jog. <laughs> and so I kind of, you know, got it, got it going like that, you know. Are we worried about the outward man? We worried about the inward man. You know, the Bible talks about the women of old adorning themselves as godly women. He wasn't saying it was wrong for women to do their hair and stuff like that. That was not his point. His point was worry about the inside person and not the outward person. Now, I don't care who you are. I want you to know this body is going to wear out. I don't hear well anymore. And I make up for it by not being able to see. And, and, you know, things just change and, and, and you look around the room and you see people with gray hair. And I want you to know as little gray haired people weren't always little gray haired people. We, we, it just happened over a period of time. You wake up one day and you're just, you know, you're kind of there. This body is going to wear out. I had a doctor I went to and I had a thyroid problem. And he said, Marlon, I don't believe people have to die. And I said, that's funny, doc. I don't either. And he goes, I know what you're talking about, but that's not what I'm talking about. He said, I, I heard, read about this guy from Russia that lived to be 140. And I'm thinking, hmm, what happened to 141, Doc? <laughs> he goes, well, they, they found out about him in England, and the queen invited him to the palace and fed him a crumpet. I don't know what a crumpet is. I really don't. 
but apparently it'll kill you. It did him. I mean, at 141, he's gone, you know. I mean, maybe he'd still be with us if, yeah, but even at a hundred, that's old. 140's old. There is a, a veteran of World War II that, that just died and he was 120 something years old, something like that. And, and, but you know, even Methuselah lived to be 969. I mean, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? But he died, didn't he? This body is going to wear out. Things are going to change. There's a reason that I quote Bible instead of just read it to you. And one of the reasons is I can't see it. You know, things are going to change. It's going to happen. And the, and, no, and you can work out and all that. I, I don't have the courage one of the older preachers had. I heard him tell the women, goes, uh, we married these women. They got the hourglass figure, you know, and all that. And with diet and exercise, they can kind of keep it. Otherwise, it turns into the Liberty Bell. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, man, that's gutsy. But I want you to know it's the inward person that you need to worry about exercising and not the outward, because this, the inward person is what's important. The spirit lives forever. The body is temporary. We are mortal. We are carnal. And that is going to, that is one day going to wear out on you. And I hope you enjoyed that because that's not what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I wanted to look at exercises and I got to thinking about exercising and, and desperate people do desperate things and I needed something to talk on. And I got to thinking there are exercises that nobody needs to be involved in. And as Christians, it can, it'll, it'll hurt us, to be honest with you, and it can destroy churches, it destroys lives, and some of these exercises that we do. One of them is jumping to conclusions. Clever, huh? Jump, you ever done that? You ever thought you understood something, you jumped in the middle of it, you had something to say, and you realized you really didn't understand what was going on? There was an older fella told me one time, he said, Marlon, you're a good boy. I hate it when it starts off with that. But Marlon, you're a good boy. But you know what you need to do? You need to listen to a man's story. You need to listen to his whole story. And you need to listen to his whole story first before you make a decision. You know, that is wise advice. If you look over in James chapter 1, about verse 19 or, or so, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I wish it was that easy. I wish that verse was easy to do. But it's not. We we tend to jump to our conclusions and make a decision when we don't have all the information. In Acts 21, Paul is has been they, they've heard of of the fact that he is teaching people not to follow the law. Okay, and so he's going to purify himself and go into the temple. They saw him in the city with a Greek fellow from Ephesus by the name of Trophimus, and they somebody assumed, jumped to the conclusion. That Paul had taken Trophimus into the temple and defiled it by bringing that Gentile in there. And it caused a riot. Paul was taken. That's why, that's how he winds up going to Rome. It's because somebody jumped to a conclusion and they didn't know what was going on. They didn't have the whole story. And it caused a riot. They closed the temple. It, the, the city was filled with violence because somebody jumped to a conclusion. I'm going to tell you one of the things I absolutely hate. And fellas, you take this from an old man that's been there. I absolutely hate this. And you need to, you young fellows, stay out of this corner. Have you ever been arguing with the wife and about halfway through you realize she's right? <laughs> oh, I hate it when that happens. But you can't back up. She'll think you're a wimp. I mean, you got to keep going, right? You're the head of the house. What, are you going to back down just because she's right? <laughs> so that's when the bully thing. But, you know, I thought I knew what we were talking about. And come to find out, that happens all the time, doesn't it? Heard a story one time. 
about a fella on a train. He's just sitting there looking out the window, and his kids were going nuts. I mean, they're running up and down the aisle. They're jumping in seats. They're bothering people. And everybody on that train's thinking, them kids need a good beating is what they need. And I probably would have thought the same thing. I mean, and look at this guy. What a terrible parent. He doesn't even know they're doing it. So somebody finally got the courage and said, sir, finally woke him up out of his sleep, so to speak. Sir, can you do something about your kids? He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they go, well, don't you even care that they're doing this? Are you not paying attention? And he said, their mother is in the car behind us in a casket. We're taking her to barrier. Now, how do you think he felt? We talk about that tall, don't we? Yeah. See, he thought he knew that just this is just bad parenting is what this is. Now, I know in today's world you have to be careful about correcting your kids in public. When Jeremy was little, we had church members that would help you with that. <laughs> we, we could have set up a whole organization of disciplining kids for you, you know. But, you know, instead of now, instead of wanting to beat them kids, everybody on train wants to hug them. Because now we got the whole story. We got the information. And I'm telling you right now, jumping to conclusions like that and thinking we know what's going on. I'm going to tell you something right now that sometimes we think that about each other in church. We think we know what somebody else is doing or what their intentions are, something like that. Sometimes we think elders aren't paying attention. Trust me, they're paying attention. They are. And they can't always tell you everything they know. They shouldn't. If they did, you would never talk to them. I guarantee you that. Don't jump to a conclusion that you understand what's going on in somebody's life unless you really do understand what's going on. That can cause a lot of damage and hurt an awful lot of people. The other one is passing the buck. There's an exercise we don't need. If there's a job, we need to do it. If it's our responsibility, we need to take. You know, the the, the Bible is a book of, of self-responsibility. In our society, we're a society of victims. It was my dad's fault that I'm a jerk, <laughs> you know, kind of a deal, you know. So go talk to him, you know. And I blame, I, okay, I was born poor. And one guy got off of, on, a, on a situation where he killed some people and all that because he was too rich. <laughs> I call it affluenza, and I'm not influenza, that's the flu. But it's other, uh, affluenza defense, you know. And I guess it worked once. I may not ever work again, but he, it wasn't his fault. He was raised too nice. I mean, he, had, he doesn't have to worry about other people, stuff like that. The Bible is a book of taking responsibility for oneself. Do you know who the very first person that ever passed the buck was? Adam. (laughs) The very first. Now, Adam's alone in the paradise of God. He's got it made. I mean, this is great, man. He's on a gravy train. But there's not a help meet for him. They pass the animals behind. They, you know, I like a dog, you know, and all that. But I mean, not, that's not the same as a wife or nothing. And, and so at any rate, God decides, I know what he needs. And he made woman. And Adam, and he brought the woman unto the man where we get the idea that the very first bride given away was given away by God himself. So these women are a gift from God to the men for to be a help me. And he said, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she's taken from the man. Y'all know the story. They eat the forbidden fruit. God comes and goes, what have you done? Now, Adam doesn't go, I messed up. I sinned. I fell short. He goes, the woman that you gave me, gave it to me and I did eat. What happened to bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh? (laughs) The woman did this to me. You know what I mean? A minute ago, she's the most wonderful thing on earth. And she was at the time. And now all of a sudden, she's the problem? No, Adam, you sinned. You did it yourself. 
Now, I don't know what that evening <laughs> was like in the Adam household, but I know what it had been like in the Cole household <laughs> if I come up with a And on top of that, did you notice what else he did? The woman you gave me. I would have had this good thing going right here in the garden with my dog and all this kind of stuff, and you decided to fix it. And now look at the mess you got me in. People blame God all the time. They don't take responsibility for their actions. They blame somebody else. They blame the wife. They blame the kids. They blame the society. They blame the government. They blame God. Adam is a guy that was walking with his God. And just a chapter later, he's hiding from his God. You know what the truth was? Adam sinned. Eve sinned. And yes, the snake was involved and the, the devil was part of the problem. I guarantee you that. But we can't pass the buck. What about responsibilities? Do you haven't, can you pass your responsibilities to somebody else? What's that saying? Everybody thought somebody would do it so nobody did it. Do you know somebody that needs to be visited? Do you know somebody that needs a phone call? Do you know somebody that needs a card sent to them? Do you know somebody that just needs a word of encouragement? Why we not do it? Call somebody else. We got other people. They'll do it. Will they? You think God's going to accept that? You can't pass the buck. My favorite one, my very favorite one of all time. How can you have a favorite pass the buck story? But I do. That's kind of weird. But I really like this. It's Aaron in Exodus. You remember they made the golden calf? Moses comes down. Do you know what the first commandment was? And the ink ain't even dry on the page. I mean, the stone's not even whatever they did. But is thou shalt have no other gods before me. He comes here and before he even gives them the Ten Commandments, they broke the first one. And apparently they were breaking several as it went along. And so they're there and, and, and Moses calls and goes, Aaron, what have you done? What is wrong with you? You built a golden calf. And he goes, hold it. Don't get mad at me. Now, you know these people. You know how they are. They said, we need gods to worship. And this man, Moses, we want not what has happened to him. It means that we had not even had a picture postcard. Been up there for 40 days. Been gone over a month. I mean, he could have died up there. we got to have a god to worship. And this is the kicker right here. He blames it on the people. He blames it on Moses for being gone. And then he said, I said to anybody, if you got any gold, give it to me. And they did. I cast it in fire. And out came this calf. Really? That's what he said. It's in there. No, Aaron and the people, Aaron led them to build a golden calf. They probably learned it back in Egypt and decided they were going to worship a false god instead of the god that had delivered them out of bondage. And he tried to pass it off, pass the buck. And the Bible is just chock full of stories of people that have excuses for why they can't face up to their responsibilities. My favorite one in the New Testament that that the media butchers and I pick on the media a lot because I drive around listening to the radio. My father-in-law used to say the church would be a better place if Marlon didn't have a radio. But I listen to these guys on the radio. And this fellow comes up to Jesus and said, let me bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. Now, the media will tell you that means Jesus said you can't go to the funeral. That's ridiculous. Bury my father meant my father's elderly. I need to stay and take care of him. And when he dies, then I will serve you. Is that what we're doing? I'm going to serve the Lord when the mortgage is paid. The kids are grown. The job is secure. No, you won't. 
heard that. I've heard that for 50-something years. And I'm older than that. I just don't remember it past that. But I've heard that all my life. I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to get over to do it. And once we get this lined out and that lined out, no, you're not. And let the dead bury the dead. You let others take care of dad. You come follow me. If you're going to follow me, you do it now. That's what Jesus was saying. And the guy was passing off his responsibility. He wanted to follow Jesus when it was convenient. And you can't do that, folks. Don't pass the buck. There's things that need to be done. Do it. See to it. Don't pass the buck. What about throwing your weight around? In 3 John, the king of this is in 3 John, a guy by the name of Diotrephes. And Diotrephes loved to have the preeminence so that he would not receive the brethren. And those that would, he would cast them out of the church. Sound familiar? There's been a lot of diatrophies over the world and over the history of the church. Now, wouldn't you love to have been a fly on the wall for this one? John goes, I'm going to be there. I'll deal with it. And I'm going to deal with him when he's face to face. Wouldn't you love to have been there for that meeting? I'll bet it was a fun day, wasn't it? <laughs> but you see, he had to have the, he had to say, let me tell you something, brethren. I have seen congregations. I hate business meetings. I want you to know that. Uh, I believe God set elders up in the church to, to be the head of the church for a reason. I don't like business meetings. I really believe if Moses had been a business meeting, he'd still be in Egypt. I guarantee you that right now. I, but I've sat in business meetings, and when I was a kid, I loved them because that's where the good fights took place. But I would sit. I, actually, the, we had a pastor. I grew up in the denominational. We had the pastor's wife goes, I don't know if I like this program you're doing. You better explain that. I don't know if I want to be a part of your church. Boy, you should have seen look on his face. <laughs> but I have seen meetings where the, the men get to, of the church get together and one guy kills everything. Now, folks, you think that's right? That my way or the highway stuff doesn't cut it with God. That's called self-willed, which an elder is not to be. It doesn't mean it's okay for the brethren to be self-willed. I got, you see, I'm going to have my way or I'm going to kill the whole thing. We kind of got that going in Washington now, don't we? If y'all hadn't noticed. Somebody going to have to give in sooner or later. I'm, I can't wait to, to hear how they get out of this one. This is going to be good, but somebody decided to dig in. Both sides probably up there, and they have for years. They've dug in up there. Same thing happens in churches. One guy, they call it, okay, this brother was there, and we were all in favor, and we're all going to do it. He threw the red flag, and it killed it. I want you to know God doesn't have a use for that. That's, that's not going to be pleasing to God on judgment day, folks. Now, Brother Roy Hazelton, I first come into the church, I asked him a couple of questions. I said, how come church has problems? He goes, it's full of people. <laughs> Well, I got to give him that one there, you know. And I said, uh, I said, we do things, and all y'all used to not do, and all that. He said, I always try to give the guy more rope than I'm willing to take myself. Now, in honor, preferring one another, Romans twelve. Do you know what that really means? It doesn't mean preferring to be around each other, which that's a good concept too. There's other verses that really teach that. It means if I can let you have your way, I need to do it. Not throw my weight around and have to have my way. On everything. Brethren, God's not going to be pleased with that. Now, I'm going to give you an old time story. And this happened a long time ago. There was a fellow that. He was kind of what we call the main leader. 
somebody had fixed the communion he didn't approve of. And with the church sitting there, he walked up, grabbed it, opened the door, and threw it out. That good? Now, that's extreme. I thought it was extreme. <laughs> Had everybody's attention. What do you think of that? Now, that's a physical act that actually happened. And that's a bad day. I want you to know that. That was bad for everybody. But one guy decided he had the authority to do that. Now, they didn't have elders, deacons, and all that. I want you to understand that. They had the leader. We want to be careful about throwing our weight around and always having to have our way. I've always told the story. <laughs> one of the worst. Now, Bev and I never fight over big stuff. That unites us. But I used to like to go to get church's chicken, have a religious meal, watch football, and go to church's chicken. And Bev goes, you always got to have your way. You always want to go to church's chicken. I go, well, it's good food. That's why I do it. Chicken leg, watch the ball game. Life is good. And she goes, Marlon, you don't need to be a tyrant. You need to let some of us have our way. And I thought, you know, she's right. I don't need to be domineering and be a tyrant. And I said, where do you want to go? And she said, Long John Silver's. <clears throat> At the time, I used to think they threw the fish away and served the bait. But that's okay. You want to go? Okay. I'm not going to be a tyrant. We go. We get to Long John Silver's and she ordered chicken. And so <laughs> that was a huge problem, see? But she made a statement. She goes, you know, if I always got my way on everything, I'd be happy too. And at the time, I'm going, I don't see the point. <laughs> you know, do we have to have our way on everything? Are we going to dig in and we're going to kill what everybody else wants to do to satisfy me? It's happened, brother, in big ways. I guarantee it. One of the most popular exercises people get into is jumping on the bandwagon. Have you ever noticed when the Dallas Cowboys, they were playing up here a minute ago in a meaningless game, some people say. No football game is meaningless, but in my world. But I, I stopped and watched Little League games, and I don't have anybody playing. But have you ever noticed that when the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl, everybody's a Cowboy fan? <laughs> Do you remember the Bagheads? Some of you are too young to remember the Bagheads. You watched the New Orleans Saints play. They were horrible. And people would actually go to the game with a paper bag on their head. <laughs> because they, but now the Saints are winning, and they're the best record in football. Now they're wearing them shirts and all that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You know, in the religious world, people do that all the time. Everybody else is doing that, so we gotta do it. We're gonna go and we're gonna, we're gonna get on the bandwagon. Now, Moses in the law, in the book of Exodus, I think it's the 23rd chapter, made the statement, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Just cause everybody does a lot of things doesn't make it right. Do you know God has rarely ever, if ever, stood with the majority? His people have always been the minority. I want you to know that. How did Israel get a king? First Samuel chapter 8. It'll tell you how they got a king. First of all, they had some corrupt judges. But the second reason is they said so that we may be like all the other nations. We're going to do it because everybody, we're going to go and do that. That's not going to make it right. I've had people tell me, go, Marlon, there's 7 million people up here in this town. Do you think every one of them's wrong? I'm going to tell you something. There's a billion, maybe over now, but there's a billion with a B people on this planet that will tell you that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. Well, they can't all be wrong, right? If he's the Son of God, they're all wrong. I don't care. How many were right in the days of Noah? Noah and his little bunch, the only ones right? Eight of them. And the rest of them were wrong. 
God's not impressed with numbers, folks. And just because a lot of people are doing something, or it's the latest and greatest, doesn't mean that it's right. We need to find out what God wants us to do, and that should be our concern, and not whether a lot of people are doing it. We have a, uh, one of the elders out at Amarillo. I knew, knew Craig long time, but he was in the funeral business. And a funeral home offered him quite a bit of money, quite a bit more than he'd ever made. And he had to be on call, sometimes miss church on Sundays and things like that. And they said, this is your church now. He goes, what? And they said, it's a big church, and we if you go to church there, you'll get a lot of business for us. that make it right? He handed him the card back and walked away. I'm very proud of him on that. That's hard to do, folks. We've got to make a living. That's the living he, that's the business he was in. Would you do that? Well, they can't all be wrong, surely. If that's not what God told you to do, it's wrong. And you, you shall not follow a multitude to do evil. You know, we've always been told, you really believe you and your little bunch are the only one going to heaven. I heard a story, and I, I love this story. This is one of my favorites of all time about a college kid that called the Church of Satan in California and said, I want to talk to Satan. Well, you don't get to talk to Satan, but you can talk to the high priest. And he did, and he said, okay, I'm the high priest. What do you want to know? He goes, you really believe you and your little bunch are the only ones going to hell? <laughs> now, there's a twist on an old theme, isn't it? The Bible says many there be that go in there at and few there be that find it. Look through your Bible and see what God means by a few. day of Moses, um, Moses Noah, it was eight. 600,000 men of war. Went into, going, we're headed to the promised land. You know how many made it? Dose. Two. Go see what a few is. And then to see and decide if jumping on the bandwagon is a good idea. What about dragging our heels? Romans 13. It is high time that we wake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Brother, that's true. I want you to know, I used to hear it when I was a kid. I used to think Christmas was forever to get here. And after we got grown, I told Bev, I go, didn't we just do this last week? <laughs> seems like we do it every other week. And, and I used to hear the old people talk about time just seems to fly by. And, you know, now I'm one of them old people, and I'm telling you, time seems to fly by. You know, it, it, we, we, uh, we look at life, and, and we think it's a long journey. There's songs about it being a long journey. And you look back and you go, my goodness, where did all that, where did all the time go? We have a picture of all our grandkids in front of a little house on Cherry Street in Sherman. That was the house Bev and I lived in when we first got married 43 years ago. That's before we had any children. That's before we had any grandkids. We hadn't even thought about that kind of stuff like that yet. We would talk about how we want to have this many kids and we want to, and we got some surprises along the way. Uh, that didn't always work out exactly, but it's not an exact science, folks. And and then the grandkids come along and all that. And now instead of looking forward to it, you know what I'm talking about. You look back and go, we done it. I uh, went into the pest control business. I went in first time in '87, and went independent in '94. Now I'm I'm just doing this temporarily. I want you to know that. Until I find out what I really want to do with myself in life, you know. Then I'm going to go to college, get educated. I've still got some eligibility. I was telling them at lunch I'll become a kicker and get on TV on football team. Bending your leg may be a requirement. That's going to be a problem. But, no, you look back and go, hey, 
I've been doing this same job now since 87. That's temporary? No. That's over 30 years, folks. You look back and it's, you're looking back on all this. Don't drag your heels, especially when it comes to salvation. You know what? You know, in James chapter 4, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I've heard that quoted a lot. Have you ever put that in context? Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such city. Continue there a year. Buy and sell and get gain. That's when James utters the famous words, what is your life? It's a vapor. You know what? To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. Really, in context means, if you know what to do, you do it now. You don't delay. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I hear young people sometimes, I used to get sick of hearing this. One of these days you'll be the old people and y'all be in charge of, of the church. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, it happens. I guarantee it. Your life is a vapor. If you know to do good, do it. I've had a problem over the years. And and growing older has, has showed me uh, a problem I had when I was younger. You know what I had a hard time doing? I had a hard time appreciating those older brethren that kept doors open. I felt like they ought to be doing more. They ought to be out working. They ought to be knocking doors. They ought to be talking to people. They ought to be doing Bible studies. They ought to be doing this, that, and the other thing. And I never could stop and appreciate them for what they were doing. Do you know what God wants you to do? Do you know what the Lord's going to require at your hand? There was a lady that came to Jesus and anointed him with an ointment. And, of course, they murmured about it and all that. Jesus said this. It's in the book of Mark. Jesus said this. Leave her alone. She has done what she could. That's all God requires. Do what you can. But you do it now. Don't drag your heels. Don't delay. Don't wait. You do it, and you do it now. And that's what that lady did. She anointed him for her, his burial. She didn't probably realize she was doing that either. Jesus did. And he said, leave her alone. She's done what she could. And then he said this, wherever this gospel is preached, she'll be remembered. And we still do it 2,000 years later. We still remember that, don't we? Don't do that. There's one last thing I want to talk to you about, and then we're going to close this, this afternoon. It's called pushing your luck. People have been doing that with God for years. Now, Jesus told a parable. And I think some of my brethren have taken, or people I know anyway, have taken it to heart. He went out and hired workers early in the day. And they went out and hired workers in the middle of the day. And then he went out at the late in the afternoon and hired some more workers. And he paid them all the same amount. Now, we understand kind of we get different things out of that parable. But one of the things people get out of that parable is it doesn't matter whether you started early or you started late. You need to serve God. How many times have you thought about a deathbed conversion? You ever heard that? Going to wait till the last minute. Now, in, in the world that I come from, at the last minute, we'll accept Jesus and be saved. Which means I get to do whatever I want to until then. That's the whole thing. Which I think there's something wrong with that kind of thinking to start with, you know. That's kind of, well, you're playing fire, so to, literally, so to speak, you know. You, the, the thief on the cross, the deathbed conversion. You really think it's going to work that way? Now, sometimes people know, and they have advanced warning, they're sick, and they know that we're probably nearing the end. A lot of times, it's just like that. 
We had a funeral in Gunner just the other day. I just talked to that brother at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He was loading his four-wheelers up, going to go hunting the next day, and didn't come in for supper. Perfectly fine when I saw him. How many times has that happened to us? Go out here, these automobiles, and I want you to know, I've been in high-impact situations lately. I'm a little nervous about crossroads. There's a lot of people ain't. (laughs) You really think we're going to live forever on that? We're pushing our luck with God, folks. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. We sow to the flesh, we'll reap of the flesh. We sow to the Spirit, we can reap of the Spirit. But you will reap what you sow. Are you pushing it? Are you waiting for a more convenient season like old Felix did? I love this. As he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. I mean, it scared him to the core. And said, go thy way. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. I don't ever read about that convenient season in the scriptures. I wonder if it ever happened. Saddest words in the Bible, I believe, were spoken by King Agrippa to Paul. We do studies with people, and, and we talk to them about the need of salvation in their life. And you sit there and look across the table, and you can tell what people are feeling and thinking by their body language. Paul said, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Here's the kick in the head. Paul looked at him and looked right in his eyes. He could see it. I know thou believest. And Agrippa, (laughs) he's hanging on. Almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Remember the old song, Almost is but to fail. Almost ain't going to get it, folks. We pushing our luck. Time will run out. Sooner or later. It may be. It's a a heart-wrenching thing. When you think about the number of evangelists that were going to hold a meeting and the crowd is there waiting, somebody comes in the back door and goes, he's not going to be here. Car wreck. And this happened down through the stream of time, and we all know stories about that. It didn't, that it did, it just, life is short. If you know what you need to do, and you need to make that decision to make your life right, don't push your luck. There is no tomorrow, folks. You can't change the past. All you can do is right now. But there is no tomorrow. Don't push your luck. If we can help you, come as we stand and sing.